0: see changes that have come over me in these last few days I've been afraid that I might drift away hi do you mind if you listen to me for a little bit I've got a lot of things on my mind so where do I start Listen, there was a question put to me on Twitter recently about do we think that ex-prisoners should realise that there is a glass ceiling and not even attempt to go through it. And my immediate reaction was to say no. It was to bite back and say no, we should smash through all the glass ceilings. And then I thought about it. And it was a really interesting question and an answer I could not give over 280 characters or whatever it is on Twitter. And I I have to answer it and say, yes, we do. We need to realise there's a glass ceiling and we are never going to be able to smash through that for as long as those that are in charge of us won't allow us to. That's a weird thing, isn't it? Uh, And this comes from my issues of a few weeks ago, where I really wasn't in a good place at all, um, my head had started to play problems with itself, and that's a side effect of my Parkinson's. It it, it gives you this depression which is just all-encompassing, and it was a strange thing, and I'm going to digress for a while and let you know what actually happened. Um, I started to feel bad, my medication I didn't feel was working, Uh, my tremors were horrendous, Uh, my dyskinesia when my medication was on was, was horrendously bad, my bradykinesia when it was off was so very painful, and then these clouds came, and I'll tell you later on that I found out the root of these clouds, I knew what the problem was. Uh, and eventually I kind of got to the bottom of it, Um, I'm sorry if you hear some clicks by the way, during this thing, I'm talking as I always do off the top of my head, and sometimes the mouse needs tapped or something, so I started feeling horrendously bad, and I, I wouldn't say a depression came in, because I think that's probably an insult to those who are depressed, but I started feeling bad, and I was on the road and I was working and do you know the strange thing was I started going back to where I was when I was in jail and I came into the hotel room and I double locked the door and I drew the curtains and I knew that I would not have to leave that hotel room until nine o'clock the next morning when I had to go to work. And I wouldn't eat and I'd stop myself from eating and that's what I did when I was in jail. I, my avenue of self-harm wasn't the traditional thing of self-harm. My avenue of self-harm when I was in jail was all about not eating and starving myself and that I would eat one piece of Rai a day. So when I got to the town where I was going to be working or, or staying for the week, the first thing I did is I went to Sainsbury's and bought a box of Rai Vita and I created a safe space in my hotel room and it was almost like I created a cell. Uh, and I spoke to a friend of mine about this later and I said, isn't that ironic that I, cre- I felt safe and my safe space to, to handle what I was going through was going to be my cell or going to be my, my hotel room? And, and he said, well, no, he said, because jail is an extremely safe place for people. And uh, I think he was right. And I had a terrible week. Uh, I put on an act to when I went to work, but I knew that my shuffling was bad. I was, I was holding on to the walls again. My head was low. Um, but, you know, being the actor that I was, everything was fine. And I knew that when I left the prison that I was working in and drive back to the hotel, I knew that I wouldn't have to go back outside again. And I was happy that if I knew that I didn't eat and I went to... Bed that evening, happy in my mind that I didn't eat, and this was a strange thing, and that and that's a, that's certainly a certainly mental health issue, and it's a strange, strange thing. So I go back to the thing about glass ceilings. Um. Yeah, there are glass ceilings for ex-prisoners, and there there is always going to be. Uh, and let me try and explain for those of you who listen to me and don't perhaps know what it is I do for a living, um, I work in prisons. I specialise, specialise is an arrogant phrase, isn't it? I work purely in the early days in custody of a, of a person coming into jail. And by early days in custody, I mean that when somebody gets transferred from jail to jail, or comes from the courts into a jail, and I try and help them, get through their first couple of months and I do that because that person was me and I want to try and help them get their head around where they are it's not a nice place and I want to try and perhaps get the fellow prisoners to to help these people you know, the majority of suicides um, in prison happen within the first month of somebody being in prison so that shows you how important it is And I decided that that's what I want to do. When I left jail, I wanted to to try and help these people. Uh, And I had an experience that that many of the prison governors and directors and staff obviously didn't have. I knew what was going through somebody's head. I'm not arrogant enough to to say that I know what goes through everybody's head, but I can give the staff a feeling of, of what the person feels, how nervous he is, how volatile he feels. And how upset he is about probably being in jail and and how we need to treat these people better and not just brush them off and say that they're annoying individuals and how we need special staff to work on these units, these early days centres, as I call them. I don't call them induction wings or first night centres because that's not true. Um, I I call them an early days because that's what it is. Uh, And that's what I've done. And the strange thing for me is that I started working in, in prisons almost immediately after I came out of jail. And I didn't do the right thing that so many people out there do where they come out of jail and they go away for a while and, and work somewhere else and then come back to, to their one true love, which is helping their fellow human beings. I, I can think of two people who I respect are living daylights a living daylight out of. One's a guy called Getham Jones, who's a, an amazing individual. So much more experienced than I am, and so much more clever, and the other one's Paula Harriet from the Prison Reform Trust. I suggest you follow both these people on Twitter. If you if you don't, then then shame on you. You really should. Uh, and Paula left after being in jail for a while. Left and went and worked somewhere else. I didn't, uh, so I don't think I got rid of the trauma of being in jail before I went back into working them again. So yeah, it was months before I was working inside jails again and I probably didn't give myself the the care and the attention that I need and I probably need slightly more than others because of the things that I live with but I, I, I it's a labour of love what I do I, I'm blessed and I'm honoured and, and I think the people that I work with understand that they may pay the rent and the bills but I don't work for them, I work for the people that are behind their doors because I believe that one life taken in jail by one's own hand is a wasted life. And if I can just maybe sit and talk to the person or or put a program together where they don't feel alone, then I think that's um, an honorable thing to do and I think it's a duty as a, as a human being to do it. But I've tried to grow, grow the business over the years and expand, and I, and I must say that the private sector, the jails, when people run the private jails, have been so open to me coming in and working with them and and saying, well, not criticising them, because I have no right to criticise anything, but to maybe say to them, did you think of doing this a different way? And the, and the private sector's been fantastic. They're, they're so much more innovative. But I've tried to grow the business because there's 15 to 20 private jails in the country, and. And I, and I want to get around one hundred and six of them before I, to quote my wonderful hero, Mister Blofeld, of the cricket world, before I pu- put my cue in the rack. Um, I, I want to get around all of these places. So I've tried, and I've tried to go to the public sector, to Her Majesty's Prison and Probation Service, or the Ministry of Justice, and I've I've begged, I've begged them. I, I've not been far off my knees, ladies and gentlemen, by saying to them, please just let me help you. Just let me come and, and and perhaps show you a different way where I can reduce the amount of self-harm and reduce the amount of violence in your jails and reduce the amount of drugs. And, and to be perfectly honest, I've, I've just had lip service. And it's disappointing. I, I've met with some people that I thought were amazing individuals who said all the right things to me. And yes, you're you're right. We need people with your experience and we need to do this. And, and then all of a sudden the phone goes dead and, and, and nothing comes of it. And, and I try and figure out, is it me? Is it my profile? Am I too forthright an individual? Am I too big a person? Am I too brash? And... I think that's maybe part of the case. I think maybe they're scared of people that are gonna come and tell them that everything isn't rosy. And then I I spoke to, it's been playing in my head and it's getting me upset. I I spoke to another man who, he and I come from two different places um, when it comes to prisons, we we really do. But the end goal between us has always been the same. And that's the, that there are better prisons in our countries. and and he said to me he said basically they're never going to listen to ex-prisoners because they say that they're interested in talking to people with lived experience and that they feel the pain but at heart they're bureaucrats and they don't want to upset the apple cart because they want their paycheck at the end of the week And and I understand that if you're living on a salary Um, hand to mouth you're not going to upset the people that are going to give you that salary are you Uh, so that's why I think there is this glass ceiling I think that there is this understanding in our own heads that we have to get it through our skulls that we are not going to be listened to and my goodness that's a sad thing to do isn't it It, it's it is a terrible thing to, to have to admit to yourself that you are not going to be listened to, and that you need to accept that. And do you know what? We sit here at the end of the year, and I know that I've got about a year left before I have to stop working, before I can work anymore. And I have come to the conclusion that I will not be listened to by the higher ups of this world because. Maybe they're scared of me. Maybe they don't want to listen to the ex-prisoner. And you know what? I'm getting to the stage of where I'm saying that's fine now. That's okay. Because I've only got a year left. And I have a year to work on what my legacy is going to be when I leave here. And I had these grandiose ideas of what my legacy would be. That I would leave this thing in my path that said the Tartan Con was here, and this is what he did, and it will continue. And I've kind of changed my attitude now, and said that my legacy will be the man that I talk to in the jail, who decides that day that he will not self-harm. The man who I talk to in the jail that decides that day that he will not take that final step. And that was going to be, is going to be my legacy. It's not a legacy that's going to be left for everybody to read about, but maybe it's a legacy of the people that I have encountered over the time. I work in these jails and all throughout the country and I'm blessed and I'm honored that that I do, but I tell you this, that I never feel so alone than when I walk back out through the prison gates. I am on my own. There is nobody else around. And I go back to my room and I create my cell because that's where I feel safe. But I am on my own. And it's a lonely thing that I do. And it's a lonely thing that everybody else does. It's not just me. There are so many people out there that are so better than me at doing this. They can do the interactions with the, the wonderful charities that are out there. The people that they network with. I, I can't do that. I'm. My father, God rest his soul, said to me once that I am introverted by nature but extroverted by necessity. And I think that's completely true. I am on my own. I do what I do and I turn up at the prisons and I do what's asked of me because I do it because I firmly believe that just one person's life can be saved by what it is I do. But then I leave and I'm on my own and you know what, that's fine now, thanks for listening.